This is Ian Dayborn on Cambridge 105 Radio. Well, it started in 2009. Um, it was really uh, just a decision to try and do something as a tribute to the guys who flew from Bottisham. It was a really busy um, airfield in World War II, and after the war it sort of got forgotten. Um, and I was lucky enough to meet the guys who flew from the airfield in 1995 when they came over to England, and it just really inspired me to get involved and do something to commemorate them. And so was this one of the airfields where we had quite a, a large American contingent? It certainly was. I mean, it started life as RAF in the, during the Battle of Britain um, and was RAF until 1943 and saw combat operations with the RAF. Uh, but then in late '43, the Americans moved in and were very, very busy, especially during the period of the D-Day landings. Uh, and then they left shortly afterwards, um, and then the Belgians moved in. So it had quite an eclectic um, history. Yeah, and in terms of the kinds of aircraft you would have seen there in the 1940s, what kind of squadrons and aircraft operated from Bottisham? It was quite a mix. I mean, it started off with Tiger Moss, which you still, have, still wow. see over Cambridge to this day, from yes. the fly from Marshalls, uh, and then went mainly to fighter aircraft, and the most famous one would be the P-51 Mustang, and that was flown by both the RAF and the Americans at Bottisham, and it was really the aircraft that changed the air war over Europe. And in its heyday, can you say how many aircraft you might have found there if you'd have uh, called by... Um, with the American period, you'd probably have seen about 70 or 80 aircraft. Oh, really? Yeah, that many? yeah. I mean, they effectively operated two groups um, and allowed them to do things like when they did the D-Day landings, they kept one half of the group in the air over Normandy all, all day and then brought the other half. They would basically swap the two halves so one could be landing and rearming while the other one could be fighting over, over the beaches. Gosh. And it all carried on until, I think, 1958 was the year that it, it was sold off, wasn't it? So how yeah, did that so, come about? Well, I mean, the air, it, I mean, I think the final landing was in the late 40s as an airfield, but then right. after the war it was used uh, mainly for immigrant workers from Eastern Europe. They were brought over and they were taught the buildings were used to teach them English um, yes. and for barracks for, for immigrants mainly. Um, and they were used up until sort of mid-50s uh, and then they fell fallow and went back to agriculture. Uh, so most of the airfield disappeared quite quickly. So 2009 comes along and a group of people decide to set up a museum. Have you been involved right since back day since one, then? Yes. Oh, yeah, really? I was one of the founders, yeah. My there was goodness, three of us who decided to set it up and it was just initially in a small room, not much bigger than this. Um, and it was just an idea to, to try and do something to, to pay tribute to them, but it's grown and grown and uh, we're lucky to be where we are today. And so back then, 2009, what, 15, 14, 15 years ago, what kind of shape was that? Was that was the airfield in? What did you find when you got there? I mean, at that time there were still buildings left in Bottisham Village because I mean, Bottisham as an airfield was very unusual. Uh, most airfields were very self-contained. Everyone lived on the airfield. Everyone, but Bottisham was quite different because uh, all the, the guys from the airfield were actually billeted in the village. Um, and there were a lot of buildings built in the village, um, and now, sadly, they're all gone. Uh, so the, the buildings we started the museum in in 2009 have now been demolished, and they're now housing. Um, and lies under close off Tunbridge Lane in Bottisham. Um, so most of the remnants of the airfield in the village have now gone, and there's very little left. So you had to really start from scratch, effectively. Yeah, well, we, we actually moved down to the airfield side, um, and there was just only a few buildings left which had been used as a smokery for many years, right. and that's what had saved them. And, and that's all the buildings that are left of the airfield. 
Um, and yeah, we purchased the buildings from the smokery and then formed a charity and um, and have gradually restored them over the last few years to the point where now they're back to how they originally were. So you spent 14, 15 years, a labour of love, I guess, uh, putting it all together. And in terms of... Um the kinds of things people can see when they come. What 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 can they see when they they turn up on a Sunday for one of your one of your open days? I think the main thing for us is to try and tell the personal stories. Uh, there were a lot of uh, interesting stories from Bottisham. Um, for us, I mean, you can go to Duxford, you can see aeroplanes, but yes. for us, we want to tell the actual real stories behind. The, the, what happened at Bottisham and there's so many interesting personal stories people who got shot down and, and taken to concentration camps um, for example I mean we want to, want to tell those sort of stories people really human interest stories uh, so we've got um, various things that lead into that so we've got, we've, we do have a P-51 Mustang aircraft we've got a, we've got a jeep that people can go and jeep rides on yes. uh, but we've got lots of uniforms and lots of other exhibits that lead into these personal stories because I think that's what people are really interested in when people go around the museum they love to read about people and what they did and how, how things evolved and that's what really seems to grab people's interest. That's where we focused. And in terms of those stories and, and getting those stories, do, do you find... Do people come to you or do you have to approach them? How does that work? I think mainly it's been us approaching them. Right. I mean, um, we've had one or two families come to us. Um, and for example, we've had the Macmillan family come to us uh, and give us artefacts which have then led, led us to tell their relative story. And that's fantastic. I mean, he was a guy who was shot down from Bottisham and ended up at, in Stalagloff 3 where the Great Escape happened. And he was in there at the time of the Great Escape. Really? So at the moment, we're just putting an exhibit together about a, a prisoner of war hut. Um, and telling that great escape story, which is a fantastic story. One of my favourite films. I've got a picture of Steve McQueen in my downstairs toilet, <laughs> sitting on his motorbike. Well, you must come and have your picture taken in our exhibit. I must do, yeah. And, and do you have people give talks and things like that? Yeah, we're looking to do some talks um, probably around sort of March-April time. Uh, we've got some interesting talks. We've got a, a, one of the leading historians from Salagloff 3. He's going to come and give us a talk and open our exhibit. Uh, we've got a lady who's going to come and talk about uh, women in the 8th Air Force and the role women took um, in supporting uh, the, the war effort. Uh, we've got another one coming about GI brides. Uh, so oh, we're right. going to try and tell these interesting stories that many people have heard about but don't really know a great deal about. So we want to try and open this sort of box and, and, and let people find out about some of the, the things that actually happened during the war. And do you ever get people who are trying to do a bit of research on their family who come to you yeah, we have, for help? Yeah. Yeah, we've had one or two people who've uh, trying to track down uh, fathers and, uh, yeah, they've come to us and, 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 and trying to piece together their wartime history. And we've also had some families from the States come to try and find out what their fathers, grandfathers did during the war and where they, where, where they went. So we often facilitate that and take them round and show them where they served and what, you know, the sort of places they would have been and what they did. And that's really incredibly interesting when that happens. Yeah, I would think that's quite can be quite moving and emotional as well. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I remember going on a trip to America and going to Ellis Island, and I have relatives who live in New York, and going and finding the entry from 1926 of my great-great-uncle arriving uh, at Ellis Island. And, and I'm not normally an overly emotional person, I have to say, but, uh, yeah, it kind of really touched me. You see, just something simple like that, and Very uh, much so. it yeah. can move you, can't it? Yeah, to see the relatives walking along in the same steps as their, you know, their parents, grandparents, and walk the same rooms, the corridors, because the rooms we are now are, are the original buildings the, on the airfield. So the people can literally walk in their, in, in their, in their, in their relative steps, and that's really interesting to see.
So when can people come and visit? When are you open? Well, we're, we're opening uh, formally on uh, every Sunday from Easter, uh, which I think this year is um, early April. That's right, yeah, yeah, it is. And we're open every Sunday um, up until um, Remembrance Sunday. We're also hoping to open one day in the week. Uh, we're just looking to confirm that over the next few weeks. So please keep an eye on our social media uh, website and Facebook pages. Uh, we hope to confirm that we can open one day in the week as well. And you also offer the venue as somewhere that people can hire if they want to. Very much so, yeah. We were fortunate now to have an, a, an area of land around the museum, about five acres. So we've started running our own events, but we're also looking at hiring them out to other people for parties, weddings, whatever. Um, and we've got that space and got quite a lot of flexibility in terms of the field and parking, which is quite rare around Cambridge. Yeah, well, I have to say, um, I went to a wedding a couple of years ago at Old Warden Aerodrome, uh, in uh, near Biggleswade, and it's it was it was one of the best weddings I've ever been to. Uh, so, uh, an airfield, an old airfield, is a fantastic place, very atmospheric to have a wedding reception or a party. Very much so, and I think also the vintage theme, uh, vintage thing, is quite big now, and so we've got the ability to offer that sort of vintage themed wedding as well, which is I think quite appealing to a lot of people. Absolutely. Well, Jason, it's been fascinating talking to you. I'll give out all the details uh, in a couple of minutes' time and we'll put this interview up on our Cambridge 105 website. Thank you very much for coming in and joining me this morning. Thank you so much for having me. This is Ian Dayborn. Cambridge 105 Radio.